Welcome to the TALON project. TALON stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID-19 reality, TALON provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode. I'm joined today by Robin Whitaker, who is a Master's of Architecture student at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Robin will be answering a few questions, focusing on the student perspective and the switch to emergency remote teaching following uh, the impact of COVID-19. Robin, why don't we start with you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do. So, uh, as you said, my name's Robin. I uh, am a student at the university. I'm going into my uh, M1 year following uh, the foundation year that the, uh, the school offers. Um, I've been in the industry for a few years, uh, working with KFA Architects and Planners, who's also my employer for the summer, uh, who's uh, an Ontario-based firm, and I've been working with them uh, purely remotely, which has been an interesting experience. Um, yeah. Great. Thank you, Robin. It's it's good that you have the perspective from the, the student, which we're, we're focusing on this conversation, but you also have a lot of real-world experience. And the fact that you also are working remotely uh, with a, a firm. Lot, but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but working with a firm back home and stuff. So you have you have some experience and knowledge on both sides of what we're discussing. Uh, so why don't we start off with the first question here. So uh, what is the biggest challenge when moving to emergency remote learning in the winter semester? So what was working more for you um, following um, when we had to switch to emergency remote learning in April of this this year? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a tough situation. I think the school responded pretty well to it. Um, overall, I would say that the the quality of learning I was uh, fairly impressive given the situation, but there were definitely some drawbacks. Um, the most obvious among them is uh, architecture is a studio based in person discipline and uh, Removal of that. Well, I shouldn't say removal because there's still an in-person element with one-on-one uh, -on -one zooms, which we definitely employed. But uh, being able to just kind of lean over and talk to someone and say, like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" or, you know, uh, "What about this idea?" Um, it's definitely a loss, uh, and it, it. I think it definitely impacted the way that I was working and the way that uh, we as students worked. Um, and then. Uh, Kind of the feedback that you can get from professors is also um, somewhat impacted uh, along with just uh, knowledge of the programs was a, a big learning curve both for professors and professors and students um, and that took a lot of time to uh, kind of figure out you know time limits on zoom calls and uh, you know screen sharing being able to you know talk about the same thing because you can't point at a physical object anymore um, and then uh, just the lack of model making was also another another impact. It, everything became a lot more about the, the sort of digital quality of the work instead of the, uh, the physical aspects, which I think was uh, definitely a loss. Absolutely, those are those are all very good points. Uh, you know, it being in the course with you, I do remember taking graphics and you know about forty-five to fifty of us on a Zoom call trying to learn new programs and not to have that in person. Uh, chance to be able to point at the program and be like, hey, this isn't working in problem solving. So there definitely yeah. is more challenges uh, coming from that perspective. Not only that, and the, the other thing, uh, especially with uh, some of the 
not not studio related, but some of the uh, lecture uh, units was definitely the participation. Being able to kind of stick your hand up and ask questions, like it, it sort of works, but uh, it's not as organic. And I think I felt this to a certain extent. Um, in class, you raise your hand, you can pipe off a random question, just something that pops off the top of your head. But uh, when it's remote, there's a certain reluctance, which I think we're going to either have to kind of learn to overcome that um, or we're going to lose it, uh, which uh, I think would be uh, definitely a negative. Uh, being able to just uh, answer the things that uh, come across your mind is uh, it's an important part of learning because it can it can bring up something that uh, you don't know that you don't know. It, right. If uh, you take my meaning, absolutely. Um, which is how you get a, a full, well-rounded education. Like you're not just learning the facts that are presented in front of you. You're pursuing the things that are interesting to you. And I think uh, participation is a big part of that. Uh, so I would I would like to see um, us as students definitely. Um, pushing ourselves to overcome the digital barrier there. Absolutely, putting it back onto the students to be able to start engaging more and, and not just all in the profs and, and educators and that stuff. Yeah, side. and I, I think that's probably gonna be a, a comfort thing, but mm -hmm. uh, it maybe should be a, a conscious um, collective effort on our parts. I agree. Uh, and then switching gears, so with that switch to emergency remote learning, um, what opportunities did you see were created by online education or in other words, what did you find was working uh, in that switch or going forward? Like I said, I, I was actually pretty impressed with uh, the way that things went. Um, at the very beginning of all that, I wasn't really sure how it was going to work and it, it, it came out fairly, um, uh, we ended up with a fairly comprehensive solution. Uh, but I think that the, the things that were working really, really well were um, there was a greater focus on the digital, which has both negative and, and positive sides. And the positive side of that is um, some of the digital tools that um, we use in our program. And I'm not talking about the collaborative stuff, but some of the uh, presentation techniques, uh, we got a lot more practice with them. Uh, so that was, that's definitely a positive. And then also with my experience during the summer, uh, the one thing that I would say is going to be uh, important going forward, uh, especially with the uncertainty of the COVID situation, is uh, being comfortable in a working environment that is a virtual one, mm -hmm. I think is going to be a, a good life skill. And I think that this is a good preparation for it. Absolutely. Um... One opportunity that I noticed, and maybe you saw this as well, um, was when they recorded um, our sessions, when they recorded our classes. So for example, again, with graphics and yeah, you know, being a two hour long session. It. Yeah, and then be able to, to pause and, and go slower so you're able to kind of understand the steps that were happening. But it also comes down to the educator explaining that properly in those recordings. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if you felt the same, but it was good to be able to look at those recordings more slowly and work your way through that process. Uh, Definitely. It was, uh, I, I didn't use it all that much, but on the occasions where I, I did have cause to use it, it was a blessing because, uh, yeah, having to go outside of class time, track down your professor, track down another student who can show you how to do it is, uh, 
is tough. And it's part of it is a different way of working because in studio you could just go to a different student and have them show it to you. But uh, like I said, it was, it was, I was surprised with how uh, comprehensive the solution uh, ended up being um, despite some drawbacks. <clears throat> yes, I think the recording is definitely a, a benefit and it's definitely something that should be continued forward. Um, maybe just one other side benefit is when you do have people participating and asking questions, a lot of times it's, it's being written down. Um, and so you don't have any issues with, you know, overhearing what other people are doing, uh, which I think is, is small benefit, but you know, silver linings. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, so the next question is what is your most used software tool? And I suppose I want to cater this question, not, you know, in the architecture program, we're using a lot of, uh, program like uh, designing programs such as Rhino and Revit and, and CAD and things like that. But in terms of collaboration, um, you know, meetings, things like that, like what, what was, uh, what was your most used software or tool? I mean, last semester it was definitely zoom. Um, and I think that was kind of the, the natural choice. I mean, it's, it's what we're, uh, it's what we're using right now. Uh, it's a pretty, uh, it's a simple, uh, powerful software that has a lot of the sort of kind of basic elements you would look for in kind of a video chat. But in terms of um, sharing next semester, what I anticipate using uh, would be more something in line with uh, what I've used in during the summer at my, my work, which is uh, kind of a chat. Uh, based system where you can have multiple threads. The one I'm currently using is Slack, but there's a number of different programs like this. Um, where hoping the school will set something like this up, and I think we're potentially going to get this into this a little bit later. But uh, uh, having a kind of dedicated system of communication, I think, is going to be key, and it's going to have to be paired with some kind of uh, file sharing. Mm -hmm. um, for any kind of uh, team or uh, group projects, uh, which I mean, we'll see uh, what uh, what they throw at us in the coming semester. But I imagine that's not going to be, or it should not be uh, removed from the curriculum. So group work is part of architecture. It's one of the largest. Uh, mm -hmm. Being able to tackle that, I think, is going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not going to be exclusively just video chat. It's it's going to have to be some kind of messaging system and I don't think email is going to be quite up to the task because a lot of it's going to be uh, kind of micro communications. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I found that in, in another course, uh, computational design, we were using, you know, OneDrive and, and Google docs and things like that a lot, quite a bit to collaborate and uh, OneDrive yeah. is a university approved um, software. Yeah. So I think that was used quite a bit. Uh, but I think you're right in terms of having, a chat software, you know, uh, Microsoft Teams or Discord or, or anything like that where we can chat real time and, and share resources will definitely be important for us, especially when you come into comprehensive courses working with somebody else. I think that'll be big. Yeah, yeah. When you're working on the same file, it's going to be uh, paramount. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, those, those things have enough challenges, even without the distance. Yeah. Uh, that kind of segues into the next question that, you know, what would be your recommendations for online education from a student perspective? Yeah, and this is what I was kind of alluding to before, where I, I really hope the, the university is going to invest in um, kind of centralized solutions, and I hope they're going to 
kind of make the educators uh, kind of make sure that they're proficient in these softwares before the semester starts uh, so that the educators can then in turn make sure that the students are proficient uh, just so we can kind of move past the technical difficulties and get on with the learning. I think that's going to be uh, the, the first thing. And the, the second thing is kind of which, uh, which software they choose. And uh, I think there's a lot of really good options out there. I certainly am not qualified to say which one's best. I'd leave that to the experts. But uh, the selection of that's going to be going to be a, a pretty important choice because at the moment, a lot hinges on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I just to kind of build on your recommendations too, I think, you know, that, that kind of almost blended learning where we do have the ability to go in and do model making and, and studio environments for, for architectural program, I think. Oh, is yeah. They, they've already kind of made it clear that that's going to be an option for it. And I'm 100 percent going to be using that because there really is no uh, there's no alternative to being able to just kind of look over and get somebody's quick feedback on something. I think that um, to lose that would be to completely change the spirit of, of what we're doing. Absolutely. And, uh, to a certain extent, I, I felt that last semester. I'm sure you did as well. Mm -hmm. um, did. And so complete digital uh, architecture, I think is, um, is not the way that the, the school should be leaning. I think, the industry, uh, we, we chat a little bit about this in the sort of pre-call, but the uh, the industry already is leaning towards um, architecture being uh, experienced too much through the, the digital. It becomes about the photograph of the building rather than the building itself. Um, and I think that if we were to kind of lean too heavily on these digital tools, um, I mean, safety has to come first, obviously. Um, but I think as a long-term plan, uh, yeah, we, we should not be making architecture a digital profession. It, mm -hmm. It's not suited to it. Right. Definitely that actually, uh, a lot. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. That, that was just kind of segueing perfectly right into the final question, which is, um, what do you expect higher education to look like in 10 years? <laughs> oh, um, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about architecture. We can we can focus <laughs> on the on the architecture program. Yeah, and I, I think I mean other professions. Yeah, I think that you're going to see a lot more digital. But uh, I I hope that um, while there's a lot in kind of architectural education that I would uh, encourage in different directions, I think uh, increasing the amount of digital learning we can do is fine for something like. Uh, history or um, even to a certain extent something like graphics uh, where you're, you're learning technical skills that, that's absolutely fine but when it actually comes to um, the design and uh, crafting of architecture I think there's there's no substitute for an in-person collaborative effort uh, that's how it's done in the real world and that may change uh, over the coming years, but uh, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be exclusively digital, and I think that it shouldn't be, because uh, architecture is not a digital element. It's it has a digital presence, but 
when it comes down to it, a building is an object in the real world and we need to kind of keep that idea alive. And start some education. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you, Robin. Uh, well, I'd just like to say thank you again uh, for participating with us in the Talon Project and, and being an expert voice for us uh, from the student perspective. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> absolutely, and I look forward to uh, uh, being with you in the fall in our in our M1 semester. Right. Thank you, Mac. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Robin. Take care. This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at taloncloud.ca. The Talon Project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.